Here's Pastor Steve Converse to begin today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. I'm not worthy of anything. None of us are. All glory goes to Christ. The true Christian is really consumed with Christ. What are you rejoicing in? What's your boasting in? Is it in Christ? Or is it in yourself? From Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, this is Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. Welcome to our program today. We're continuing with our series, The Five Marks of a True Believer. And we focus our attention today on what a true believer is. Over the last couple of Sundays, we've focused on what a true believer is not. Today, we dial in, or zero in, if you will, on these five specific marks. Join us for today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. Here's Pastor Steve Converse. The world's filled with people who worship God according to their own design, and it's not biblical at all. They're not true worshipers. They're deceived. What's that word worship mean? Does it just have to do with music and, you know, playing nice little songs and having warm little fuzzies down deep inside? Is that what it means? Well, the word worship from the original language literally means to minister or to serve. That's what it means. To minister, to serve, to worship. It's a big word. It encompasses a lot of things. Someone defined it this way. Worship means to render respectful spiritual service. See, some, some people think that the worship is just saying things that praise God. Or singing things that praise God. Or even thinking things that praise God. That's worship, but that's not all it is. There's so much more to worship. Worship finally comes down to how do you live day in and day out. That's part of your worship. It finally comes down to how do you live. That's why in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, it says, do good and share. Why? And he goes on and he says, for with such spiritual sacrifice, such worship, God is well pleased. So it starts in your heart, but then eventually it, it kind of comes out. In service, it's very practical. It does mean that from your heart you render, you know, homage and glory and praise and honor and adoration and respect to God. And it does mean that you sing with all your heart to the Lord, as we've done, as we've done earlier. It, it, and it does mean that you pray and you, you know, lift up His virtues and praise Him. But it doesn't end there. It also means that you serve Him. That's, that's part of worship. In fact, in the Old Testament, the priests, when they led worship, what, what's the first one of the first things they did? They had deeds of sacrifice that they did. They served. And that's what we've been saved to do. Beloved, we've been saved to worship God. In other words, how can you look at your own heart and say, do I, do I worship God as a true worshiper? Well, first of all, I think, and you can jot these down. I don't think I put them in your outline. First of all, a heart of worship is, is a heart that loves God and loves Christ. You can call it affection. You can call it whatever you want. But there'll be a great love for Christ, a great love for God and Christ. And you, you'll, you'll feel that. You'll express it. When you hear songs of praise and adoration of God, your heart's lifted up inside, and there's a joy there. You see, Romans 8, 7 says that the unsaved person hates God. The saved person loves God. In fact, we're, we're to love Him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. But there's love for God and there's affection for Christ. It may not all be what it's supposed to be at any given time, but it's still there. 
So you have a love for Christ, a love for God. Secondly, there'll be a delight in God and a delight in Christ. In other words, a joy in your life. More than love, it's not just the emotion of affection. There'll be a, a, a joy, deep-seated joy in your heart. In other words, when you sit down back home in your couch and you're thinking about God, it brings you joy. Your thoughts about Christ will bring you delight. You love to think about Christ. You love to talk about Christ. You love to read about Christ. It brings you joy. The third word, if you're a true worshiper, I think there's a confidence there. There's a true, a true worshiper has a confidence, has a peace is able to rest. A true Christian is worshiping and is adoring with affection and delighting in joy, but he's also, he has a confidence that brings him peace, that his God is there for him. That's part of worship. In other words, a true worshiper isn't necessarily concerned about their own prosperity, isn't necessarily concerned about their own things. They're at peace with the relationship with their eternal God through Christ, that all their confidence is in them. It's not in these things. You stop and you just think about that. Where do you get love? Where do you get joy? Where do you get peace? Galatians tells us, right? The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace. See, it all comes back to what's on the inside. If it's this God that comes to take residence in us and it produces that affection and delight and peace from Christ. And that's, that's really what worship's all about. And flowing out of that really comes a devotion, doesn't it? A devotion to Christ. Because of our worshipful heart, there's really an unusual devotion to God and to Christ. See, and then you're starting to talk inward. Your, your outward worship, all the music and the, the fellowship, everything that, that helps you worship physically on the outside, all of a sudden it begins to take up residence. And when you're worshiping with the Spirit of God inside you, all of a sudden you have a new devotion to Christ and to God. Someone said, it's a love that knows no rival. It's a delight that knows no equal. It's a peace that knows no comparison. Nothing competes. Nothing really can compete. That's the kind of heart of worship we're talking about. In Matthew 4.10, Jesus said, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. See, that's a characteristic of a true believer. We are the true worshipers whom the Father sought to worship Him. So how do you know you're a true Christian when you look at your own faith, when you look at your own walk? You worship God from the heart, not because you do things on the external, but because you love God, you love Christ. And you delight in them. There's a sense of, of joy there. And you know what? The only thing that can produce that is the Spirit of God. That's the only thing. You can't go out of here saying, okay, I have more joy, more peace, more, you know. You'll go crazy. You'll literally lose your mind if you try to manufacture something like this. It's only by the Spirit of God. Only He can produce something like this. And when you look at that, you know, you don't know who's, a, who's really a Christian and who's not. You look around, what do we see? We see the external, don't we? We see what's on the outside. We see all the stuff that people are doing, or we see this, or we see that. You know what? God sees the heart. He sees right to the heart. And I'm just here to tell you this morning, but you know what? You're the only one, you and God, that can know your heart. Nobody else knows your heart. You don't know what's in the heart of the person sitting next to you. They could be loathing you right now because you sat next to them. You'd never know. You'd never know. 1 Corinthians 2 says, No man knows the spirit of the man, 
but the man. In other words, you know what's going on inside. Nobody else does. See, that's why, as we talked about last week in 2 Corinthians 13, 15, Paul says what? Examine your neighbor's heart? No. He says, examine yourself. Examine yourself. I can't examine you. I mean, I wish I could. I wish it'd be so much easier. As, as someone who's, who's called to teach and, and lead people to Christ, if somehow I just had this, this, this magic little box and I could have you come up here and I could have you step inside the box and I turn a switch and I come around and I look at the front and I say, oh yeah, Christ is in there, you're saved. Next. Don't have to worry about that person anymore. Next. Step right up here. You know, you look in there. Yep, Christ is in there. Holy Spirit's in there. That'd be wonderful. Because you know what? I see so many people who are holding on to a false faith. They're holding on to a faith that hasn't transformed anything. They're holding on to tradition. They're holding on to all sorts of things. But boy, they can tell you the gospel. They can you know, quote verses. They can do all sorts of things. But you ask them, what is God doing in your life currently, recently? They don't have an answer. Oh yeah, you know, I got saved five years ago. And they jump back to their, that, that event they're holding on to. It doesn't matter. God hasn't done anything since that event. That doesn't bother him much. See, when God transforms you, when God changes your heart, He changes all of it. And you have a brand new perspective on life. You have a brand new desire to do the right thing. To do what's honoring to Christ. To serve Him in a way that you could never even imagine. And it all comes from that, that person He puts inside us, the Holy Spirit. You can fool other people. You can fool me. By doing outward doing, you can be an almost Christian. And nobody would ever know. But God does know it. And we need to examine our hearts. Secondly, quickly, the second mark of a, of a true Christian is not only they, they worship the Lord in spirit, but also, it says there in verse 3 of Philippians 3, rejoice in Christ Jesus. Or they glory in Christ Jesus. What does it mean? The word glory or the word uh, rejoice there really has the, the idea of boasting. They boast with joy is the idea. What do you boast about? You boast about what you're proud of, right? Just any of us would boast about, you know, whether it's kids or is all about Jesus Christ. That's all we boast about. That's the character of a true believer. What do you mean by that? What I'm saying is that the true Christian gives all the credit to Christ. Because that's where the credit belongs. That's the bottom line. He deserves all the glory. He deserves all the credit. You know, one way that you can discern sometimes a true believer from a false believer, a true Christian from a false Christian, is that I believe a false Christian has a false sense of accomplishment. They talk about their own credit. They talk about their own religious duties, how they do things that earn favor with God. Or if they do more good things than bad things, then somehow God will accept them more. They believe somehow that they have an ability to please God in some way and gain merit for themselves, gain approval for themselves. And I'll just tell you, I mean, growing up in the Catholic Church, that's one of the, after I figured out what, what everything was all about, that's one of their doctrines that I still today cannot conceive how they believe that. Because what they believe is basically that deeds that I do earn merit for myself before God. 
In other words, I have to do certain works and that earns me approval for God. But if I earn more merit than I need to get into heaven, that's okay. There's kind of an overflow account. Literally. And, and basically what you can do is you can earn credit for somebody else's. It goes into a treasury of merit, they call it. And it can be applied to somebody else to get them out of the place they call purgatory, which is in between heaven and hell. See, what that says is that I, I can not only earn merit for my own salvation, I can earn my own salvation, but I can earn somebody else's. Yeah, so-and-so, you know, I know they passed away and, you know, they were kind of rough around the edges, but, you know, we're going to earn them to heaven. I mean, that's a lie, beloved. The Bible says what? After death comes what? Judgment. I mean, you, you know, to be absent from the body is, if you're, if you're a true believer, is to be present with the Lord. There's no in-between place. There's no holding tank. I mean, you know, it's just, it's crazy. But a true believer will never claim any merit and never claim any credit because they understand that it's, it's on, the Christ of, on the cross of Christ. That's where he earned it. He deserves all the glory. That's why in 1 Corinthians 1, uh, 31, Paul says, Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. He says it again in 2 Corinthians 10, 17. Drawing back to Philippians, you have to understand these people who were being circumcised, that was their point of pride before God. Look at me, I'm circumcised. I have the, the physical act done. So God loves me more. You poor Gentiles, you, know, you have to be circumcised. And that's what they were going around telling people. And that's why Paul brought it up. That's why he was so concerned about it. See, Christ is always the focus. Christ should always be the focus of any ministry, of any church, of any believer's life. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, I am determined to know nothing among you. Nothing. I, I don't care about anything else except what? Jesus Christ. That's all I want to know. That's all. He gets all the credit. He gets all the glory. He gets all the, you know, my pride goes to him. All my boasting is in him. You just turn ahead. We're going to get into this. But over in verses 8 and 9 of Philippians 3, Paul even says, you know what? I count all things lost for the excellence of knowing the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, whom I've suffered the loss of all things. And I count them but rubbish, dung, garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law. That's not going to do you any good. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Then I might know him and know him in the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. You say, Well, to be a Christian, do you have to acknowledge Jesus as Lord? Sure you do. I remember in college I took a class and they they were teaching us that well you can come to Christ as Savior. He can be your Savior, but he doesn't have to be your Lord. You can make him Lord later, you know, once you get all the pieces of the puzzle together. You know, it's just kind of silly when you think about it. Why would you want to come halfway? Either Christ is the Lord of your life or not. We don't make him Lord. He already is Lord. It's a matter of acknowledging him. It's like me saying today, well, I'm going to make President Bush the President of the United States. And you say, you're stupid. Why would you say something like that? He's already the President of the United States. Well, not to me, he's not. Not until I make him the President of the United States. 
That, that would be just an ignorant argument. And see, we, we fail to understand that God already gave Jesus a name which is above all names, and it wasn't Jesus, it was Lord. And so when you come to Christ for salvation, you're acknowledging Him as Lord of your life. In other words, you're saying, you know what, I'm not going to do it my own way anymore. I'm not going to go my own path. I'm going to yield it all up for you. I'm going to lay it all on the block. There's a lot of people who want Christ to be a, a priest who pays the penalty for their sin, but not the prophet who tells them what they have to do. And certainly not the king who has any authority over them. A lot of people will take Christ as priest because he did pay the penalty for their sin. A lot of people want the benefits of the cross, but they don't want to bow to the crown. And it's so important to understand that. You can't become a Christian and live life your own way. That's not what we're called to do. A true Christian is a, a person who is all about Christ. Christ is all in all. He's our life. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. And in Him we boast, not ourselves. We glory in nothing but the cross of Christ. And we, we're determined to know nothing but the cross of Christ. That's a true Christian. One writer put it this way, Christians are the circumcision precisely because they take no pride in what they might do by themselves to earn God's favor, but only in what God in His faith has already done for them in Christ Jesus. We need the attitude of the prodigal. Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. And I am no more worthy to be called your son. I'm not worthy of anything. None of us are. All glory goes to Christ. The true Christian is really consumed with Christ. What are you rejoicing in? What's your boasting in? Is it in Christ? Or is it in yourself? Last thing true Christian is they put no confidence in the flesh. That's what he says in verse 3. He says, not only do they worship God in spirit, they glory or they rejoice in Christ Jesus, they also have no confidence in the flesh. It kind of goes along with the other two, doesn't it? If all the glory goes to God and all the boasting is in Christ, then certainly you can't put any confidence in your flesh. What did it earn you? Where did it get you? What did it gain you? Nothing. All the flesh will do is destroy you. What do I mean by flesh? What, what, what am I saying there? I mean unredeemed humanness. My own ability away from God. That's the flesh. That's what he's referring to. And Paul's saying, don't put any confidence in that. See, that's different than the Jews of the day. That's where they put all their confidence. That's where they put all their, their, their boasting. They were descendants of Abraham physically. They had physically you know, circumcised themselves and they performed all the ceremonies and they did all these outward religious duties and they kept the Mosaic law, they thought, and traditions and all this. And it was all flesh. And God's up there saying, you know what that gets you? On my scale, big fat zippo, zero, nada, nothing. And how many times do we in our own Christian lives think that we're doing something good and in the back of our minds that haunting question, wow, maybe, maybe I'll get that promotion if I do this. Or, you know, we're bartering with God. God doesn't work that way. He just doesn't. I mean, I hear it all the time sometimes. You talk to some people and, you know, they're, they're getting older and, you know, they're having physical problems. And why? 
Why is this happening to me? I look at him, I go, what do you mean? Well, why am I sick? Why is my body giving out? Because you're old. Eventually, you're going to die. That's what happens. I mean, come on. Why, why do they think that God's, you know, has some judgment on their life? I mean, that's crazy. I mean, if you're a true believer, if you're in Christ, I mean, yeah, God, if you're stepping out of bounds, He's going to discipline you. And He could discipline you through physical ailment. He could discipline you any way He wants. But every time something happens in our life, I mean, especially when it's something bad, you know, we look up. See, confidence in the flesh damns the soul. If you're sitting here this morning and all your confidence is in your flesh, you know, you're on a fast track to hell, my friend. And you need to stop and you need to say, you know what? He's right. Because the Bible clearly says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's not somebody out there that has enough goodness in their own heart that God's going to look down and say, oh, you're, you're really special. You don't have to go through the cross. You don't have to you know, die to yourself. You don't have to do anything. You just come here this back way. I'll open up a new door for you and you can come in without all the sacrifice of being a Christian and all this other stuff. Don't worry about it. It's not going to happen. You're deceived. You're, 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 you're lying to yourself. The Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And where does he stand with you this morning? See, true Christians are, are, are people of humility. Granted, we have our moments of pride. We all do. Because we're, we're still in this sinful flesh. But when it comes right down to it, we've repented of that. We've turned away from that. That doesn't please us anymore. See, and that's part of a, a true Christian's character. I mean, just because you feel bad about sin, that doesn't make you a Christian. Unsaved people feel bad about sin. See, there's a difference between natural conviction and spiritual repentance. Spiritual repentance is something that God does deep in your heart. Natural conviction is just, you know, wow, boy, that's, that's too bad. The guy got shot. Somebody robbed the store. Boy, I don't like people like that. That doesn't make you a Christian if you look down on that. Natural conviction deals with conduct. Spiritual repentance deals with my condition before God. Natural conviction deals with the symptoms. But spiritual repentance makes a person really uh, deal with the disease, the sin that's there. When somebody, naturally, they shy away from God out of fear. But when God convicts your, your heart in spiritual repentance, it's a whole different thing. You run to God because you realize you need forgiveness. Spiritual repentance puts no confidence in the flesh at all. Because you realize you're rotten to the core. Nothing good in any of us. That's where God wants us. That's where God desires us to be. Worshiping in the spirit of the truth, giving all the credit to the Lord Jesus Christ, who's our only pride, our only joy, with a repentance which not only turns from the, the wickedness of the world, but sees our sinful condition for what it is. And realize the only way out of that mess is through the grace that we find in the Lord Jesus Christ. See, that's the true circumcision. That's the person who's not only marked on the outside, but they're marked on the inside. Their hearts are transformed. Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. 
and we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. Directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. Gracefultruth.org is where to go. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.